podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Eddie Gibbs and welcome to another edition of Off The Wall here on Anfield Index. Now, Off The Wall, if you've not listened before, is a, a selection of uh, podcasts or uh, edited content from our uh, paywall side of uh, Anfield Index over at uh, AI Pro. Now, uh, you can sign up to AI Pro. It's free for seven days to anyone at uh, anfieldindex.com forward slash join. Now, on this week's uh, Off The Wall, we're going to focus on... Uh, the legend that frequents us the most uh, on Anfield Index, and that's the great Damian Mulby, obviously a title winner with Liverpool back in the 80s. Uh, the man that became a scouser, if you like, the Dane that became a scouser. And uh, I met Jan a few years ago, uh, long before uh, Anfield Index, and he came to do an event for me up in Scotland, and uh, he was absolutely brilliant. You can actually go and see that if you wish. It was from about uh, 2013, I believe. Uh, it's on YouTube if you just type uh, Jan Mulby Cricket. Uh, it was at the cricket club, so the best way to uh, find that is Jan Mulby Cricket, and he has some absolutely brilliant stories. It's completely free to watch. He speaks for about twenty-five minutes or so, and he's got some absolutely brilliant stories in there. So uh, go and watch that. I, I do get the uh, the piss taken out of me a little bit in that as well. So uh, I'm sure that will uh, meet with some comedic laughs. Uh, anyway, uh, Jan speaks to Trev Downey, uh, Trev, who you uh, w- would have heard on uh, Off the Wall last week when we did uh, the post-match Raw show, and obviously Trev, who does the uh, the main show here on Anfield Index every week. He's the uh, the chap that has the task of speaking to uh, to Jan every week for Moby on the spot. And it's an absolutely brilliant show. Jan is uh, one of those analysts that uh, you just feel if he was if he was British, he would be on uh, it would be on mainstream TV a lot more. He does work for Danish TV, so he is uh, he is at a lot of the games and he tries to uh, get to most of the Liverpool games as well. So we're lucky enough, we're very fortunate that Jan gives up some of his time every week to uh, give us his thoughts on uh, general football, as he does a lot in this one. This talk on Real Madrid and uh, and his all. Club Ajax, obviously a, a little uh, a little chat about Sergio Ramos as well, which I'm sure uh, Liverpool fans will enjoy. And then he gives us his take on all things Klopp's Liverpool. And uh, let's hope he can calm your nerves a bit. He certainly did mine when I listened back to this one. And uh, I think there's a line at the end where he says it's certainly better to be uh, where we are now in the league rather than in sixth place, just fighting for the top four. So uh, as this has become our normal fettle. So uh, do enjoy this. Here is Moby on the spot with Trev Downey and Jan Moby. Hello and welcome to Malby on the Spot. I'm Trent Downey, podcasting to you from beautiful rural Ireland. And on the other end of the line is Mr. Jan Malby, the Liverpool and Denmark legend, whose wisdom you've all tuned in to hear. So let's welcome that man back to your ears. Good evening, Jan. Yeah, let's do exactly that. Good evening, Trevor. I hope you're well. I'm not too bad at all, my friend. And I'm going to start off um, by something I believe is taking you by surprise because it is a statement. I know they're not our next opposition or indeed the opposition after, but they are... Uh, the opposition following Bayern Munich, I believe, and that's Fulham, uh, who went out uh, and made a kind of an official statement today on behalf of the glorious uh, figure of Roy Hodgson. Um, um, and the reason I wanted to read this to you in its entirety is because because you feature you feature in this statement, believe it or not, yeah, which is uh, which is interesting. So here's what uh, Fulham said. Speaking of. Um, Mr. Hodgson, and I quote, 
He was given a frosty reception on his subsequent appointment at Liverpool, with fans being unmoved by his success with smaller provincial clubs like Inter Milan. Realising that Roy was not going to win the league immediately and angered by his failure to buy the world's best players, who would obviously jump at the chance to sign for a team that had dominated Europe a mere three decades earlier, fans quickly lost patience, demonstrating the cool-headed pragmatism that has endeared them to the football public. The Liverpool faithful demanded Roy's replacement be an exciting young manager befitting the club's stature. Setting the time circus to 1991, the club executives piled into the waiting DeLorean and floored it to 1988, returning with a fresh-faced and energetic Kenny Dalglish, ready to usher in a new era of dominance spearheaded by future club legend Andy Carroll. Shrewd purchase at just £35 million. However, Alex Ferguson and Wayne Rooney recovered the time machine, went back to 1991, stole the sports almanac and brutally laid out Jan Mulby in the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. This left the club with no option but to drag present-day Kenny out of the pub and into the dugout, skewing the timeline and culminating in an underwhelming eighth-place finish and Kenny's departure again. Now, (laughs) they've got out on quite a limb there to defend the honour of their beloved Roy. Uh, quite interesting to see you feature in there as a, a key component. They had to send the boys back to the past to get rid of you so we couldn't have any success in the future. Very, very, <laughs> very strange sort of stance for them to take, isn't it? A very defensive stance and very needly, I thought, in those references to the fans, you know, needling about uh, the pragmatism of the fans and how long ago the success was. It's, it's, uh, it plays into all those cliches that, that uh, Liverpool fans genuinely believe that other people feel about them. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible. You just told me before and you said, have you, have you heard the statement? I said, no, I haven't. And now you just read it to me. I mean, it's baffling. I mean, what are they trying to achieve here? I just find that absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Aside altogether from having a right dig at the character of Liverpool fans yeah, and, yeah. and and also uh, defending the honour of poor little Roy. I don't see what the point of it is. Maybe they think it's I some... I can't see what the point is at all. Maybe, 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 yeah. maybe in their innocence they see it as some form of banter, but I, I do sort of think that's going to come back and bite them in the arse fairly badly. It's, 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 it's very difficult to write banter, isn't it? Uh, sometimes it's easier to, to be the spoken word. So uh, yeah. Yeah, that, one will do, that, that one will do the rounds, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, listen, you've effortlessly put it down there in one quick sentence. It's hard to write banter. <laughs> in other words, that shit, lads. <laughs> so let's. Well, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. Let, let's it, move. It kind, of, it kind of was shit when it dropped. It kind of was, man. You know, yeah. let's just be honest. Uh, yeah, no. Moving sideways you know, to another. <laughs> yeah. Moving sideways to another uh, sort of source of Liverpool fan banter uh, of late. And this is going the opposite direction where Liverpool fans have been delighted uh, to have a little bit of a chuckle at the expense of Real Madrid, who, you know, are letting it be known today, apparently through unofficial sources, that Jurgen Klopp is high on their wanted list and who went out of um, Europe last night at the uh, the, um, uh, round of 16 stage second leg to your old club Ajax in a way that was not in any way uh, uh, fortunate. Uh, Ajax really, if we're honest, should have won by at least one more goal clear. Um, an, an incredible miss towards the end of the game that would have made a 5-1 in the night. They were dispatched Real Madrid and the wheels have just come off at that club in a spectacular way. Just one game too late for us, alas. 
Yeah, it was it was it was quite incredible, wasn't it? You know, we we thought based on everything we've seen this season from Real Madrid that it could potentially be close, but I, I think we've just become accustomed to that the Champions League is, is kind of Real Madrid's uh, plaything, and 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 they'll put it right. And let's not forget, I mean, they won the first game two one in Amsterdam, and what's different? Ajax this year, maybe a couple of the youngsters are better than what they normally are, and of course taking Daily Blind and, and Dusan Tadic back, back uh, it's been a, a bit of a masterstroke, but then to go to the Bernabeu and win is, 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 is incredible, but I don't know, it's just I'm nothing against I'm nothing against Real Madrid at such, but this this team, I find this team so, so difficult to take to, uh, I mean, when we played them uh in the final, and they had Ronaldo as well. Uh, so it was, I don't know, people like Marcelo, I know he's not playing at the moment. And, you know, obviously Ramos and people like that, I find it very difficult to take to this team. So, will it probably not? Will there be a queue to play Ajax? Absolutely. Uh, because I don't believe that this is the real Ajax. I don't believe that they are this strong. Uh, although, they're always handful. They always play entertaining football. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's maybe a little bit of karma, this one. Out they go. And now they've got a hell of a rebuilding job to do. I don't know whether... Uh, I don't know whether it's... I mean, we hear when we have no money, which means absolutely nothing. Because even when they have no money, they still spend money. So I don't know what the next move is. Uh, the next move is obviously to sack the manager, which I believe they're going to do at the end of the season. Then you have to appoint. Uh, what do you appoint? Short-term, long-term? They have a tendency to always appoint uh, short-term. So it'll be interesting to see Jurgen Klopp, of course, he'll figure. Uh but, but, but so will, I'm sure Mourinho will be wheeling himself into position now, ready for another go at, uh, at the job of Real Madrid. Intriguing. It's always intriguing anyway. It's club of this size. They have to make a decision, you know, because you know, whatever decisions they make in terms of managers and in terms of the players they'll purchase, it will affect other big clubs in Europe. So very, very intriguing. Obviously, one of the guys that's going to be uh, thrown around there is, is your man, Pochettino, who I know you rate highly and, He'll obviously be, uh, I'd imagine, very, very high on that list. And I have to say, Mourinho to Real Madrid would be the potential car crash of all car crashes. So that would be entertainment value in and of itself. And just to finish it out, Jan, the lovely little extra bit of information that we discovered afterwards last night was that Ramos, who had missed that game by taking, you know, he took a, a deliberate yellow card. We were told that's how it was spun in the previous game, the first leg. Uh, so he had to watch from the stands. And I think the idea was he was going to be watching a, a procession to victory. And he had a documentary TV crew following him around, making a little show about himself. So that must have been a nice little bit. Again, an awful lot of Liverpool fans will have uh, enjoyed any little bit of annoyance for that particular individual. I mean, to be fair, a, a lot of things players do, as you know, I, I can find a reason that I try and always stick up for the players. Uh, you know, and, and some things Ramos have done and, whether it's all his red cards, all his yellow cards, or whatever. But but this thing, he, he, he's a current player, and he's come up with a with a documentary that's going to be aired on, on Amazon. I mean, what a twat, you know? <laughs> no, but I, I just I just don't get that. I just generally don't get that. Football clubs are fair enough, or a pop star, whatever you know what I mean. But a football player playing in a team game, and you're not going to have a, a camera crew following him around. And I, no, what a twat. <laughs> summed up perfectly again uh, 
we astute listeners will have noticed, Jan, that I've been trying to avoid talking about um, uh, the most recent game because, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't a very satisfying affair. And there have been a few of those of late. We've had way too many draws that should have been wins. Uh, the most notable were the two that hurt the most, if you like, against um, United and against the Blues at the weekend. And, you know, there is that pattern that people have seen coming into the Liverpool games where um, we're knocking on the door and we can't seem to force it open with the same uh, regular regularity and fluidity that we used to be able to at the start of the campaign and last season. Um, this, the defence remains solid and sound. The midfield pretty much remains a little bit uninventive and the attack sometimes now is stuttering at times. Uh, and it's just a little bit frustrating, Anne. And it was interesting, wasn't it, to hear Jürgen having to field questions from, you know, apparently neutral journalists about how he hadn't been a bit more adventurous during the course of the game and his substitutions. Yeah, I, I, I find it actually incredible. Uh, I, I think the game against Everton or some of the games we've done of late are pretty easy in many ways to sum up. Uh, the, the things that you normally associate with the way Liverpool play have been lacking, you know, which is our energy. Our energy hasn't quite been there. Uh, and you can question other things. But to question whether the manager is prepared to take risks to win the league, it's absolutely pointless. Uh, again, you can question substitution, which I'm sure we'll do later in the show, uh, but don't question the way he plays. I mean, we have our full-backs parking the opposition's half in 80% of the majority of our matches, whether that's home or away. Uh, we play attack, and even with our midfield players, although they're probably different midfield players to, to most of the other teams, and of course we have the, the, the front three up top as well, so I did find that strange uh, question, and I think Klopp did as well. I think Klopp had to have a sort of a double take and go, did you really say that. Uh, and then also on top of that, Klopp has come out and said, you know, in this week, that he feels that we'll, we'll still, everything is, is, is okay, it's going to plan. And it comes back to what you mentioned before, the fact that we're still defending uh, solid uh, and, and really look a good defensive team gives you hope because we know that it's not going to take a lot. We don't have to all of a sudden start to score three or four goals to win games. We, we, we just have to get back to scoring at least one and we should be okay. Yeah, you see, that's exactly it. And um, it's why you feel a little bit uh, exasperated when you hear some of the more dramatic reactions uh, from our fans in the immediate aftermath. And, you know, it was always going to happen, Jan, because we've seen that lead uh, uh, be eked away to uh, one point, And then we saw the reversal, which occurred at the weekend, where now we're looking up and the thing is no longer in our hands. And Honestly, to, 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 to use a very uh, um, um, intellectual uh, um, sort of expression, an awful lot of fans have shit the bed, you know? That's what's happened. They've just lost the plot, and I don't blame them. My heart goes out to them a little bit. You know, they're a traumatized lot. They've had an awful lot to deal with over the years. And it's not, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean that in a really honest way. It's, uh, it is understandable. And then you have the other lads who are sort of, uh, beating their chests and going, we can still do this. And if you're not a real fan, if you don't do this, that and the other. And that in itself is far more irritating to me than anything that's happening on the pitch with the Reds. It's like, and because that communicates itself onto the pitch. We saw it before in uh, 08, 09, where the tension, the horrible, horrible tension that was amongst the fans, some of whom wanted to kill each other by the end of the season, that communicated itself in terms of the atmospheres that were created in Anfield. That's totally against what Jurgen Klopp's done, isn't it? That divisiveness. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, but it is happening, and it is happening for real. And it's allowing 
in, in some cases, it's allowing what I call lazy journalists to, to, to write that type of story. And, and you say, where do you get it from? Well, they get it from the majority, sorry, minority of our fans. I don't believe it's the majority, but they get it from the minority. And it's a feel of the way the Liverpool fans are feeling. So I completely agree with you. Uh, the last, what, three or four home games I've been to them, I can sense it. Uh, I know we, we won two of them very convincing, 3-0 and 5-0, but still I can sense it. Trevor, I get asked the same question a hundred times. I, I, do you think we can do it again? And then I go, yeah, I do. And then they go, well, I don't. And you, you know, you ask me a question, you don't like the answer. Uh, I still think we can do it. A month ago, City were four points behind and everybody thought they were still winning. We're now a point behind. I still think we can win it. I'd rather be seven points ahead than one behind. Uh, but it is what it is. City's not convincing me the way they're playing. They're not going to be having any less fixtures, uh, because they'll win. Uh, the FA Cup game against uh, Swansea and they'll be into the semi-finals and they'll win the Champions League against Schalke. So they're going to be busy. They lost another player, uh, De Bruyne. Uh, it's not going to be easy for them either. So I think what's happened in the last month, the pressure of, I mean, this this has been a two-horse race from a long, long way home. Uh, so the pressure has been allowed to build. Uh, last time we almost won the, 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 the title, we, we sort of, we didn't come from sort of nowhere, but it was a great run of, I believe, was it 13 consecutive wins that sort of all of a sudden catapulted us into to that. Oh wow, we can win this. But this has been a true horse race for a long, long time. And I think that pressure is, has, has, has settled at both clubs. Well, let's not kid about Manchester City have done this before. That doesn't make them feel any easier. I don't for one minute believe they feel easy. Uh, I, it, they would have been panicking over the way that they played at, at Bournemouth as well and only just got a, a, a narrow win. But I think that the, the pressure that is there now has put a damp on things. The last month or so, uh, I think it's been more about pressure and probably right now the ability not to deal with it. And that probably comes from both clubs. I know people say, well, since you're still winning, yeah, they are. But six weeks ago, we were also winning, not playing well. And then comes the results without winning. And maybe that's what's coming next for... For City not playing well, winning 1-0, can they continue to do I don't know. Uh, but the press has definitely put, it's like somebody's just put a big sheet over the, uh, the, the title race to Liverpool and Manchester City. And it's almost like the two clubs are being strangled by the pressure, uh, of, of, of winning the, 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 the title. I, City's pressure is defending it. I've been the first team since what, 09 to defend it. Uh, obviously the press of Liverpool under, we know where that comes from. Yeah, we do know where it comes from, and uh, an awful lot of it is is, is the aforementioned uh, uh, fans, uh, and you know they have to. There is, like I said, there is that responsibility that we have as a group to just not get too panicky. Less does communicate itself onto the pitch, so hopefully people will take that into account. And I mean, the big issue arising out of it, and again, like you said, uh, to um, question the essence of what Jurgen Klopp is doing, and that's silly. And I honestly don't believe any real Liverpool fans are doing that. I'm sure there are idiots who are doing that. Uh, who like to send their own voice, but there was a really valid point to be made um, on the day uh, was that the substitution that he went for, he seems to love to get James Miller on the field and fair enough, he trusts him, he's a, a trusted lieutenant. Uh, Bobby Firmino was an obvious shout, I think, given the fact that he would have started if he had been 100%. Um, and he's obviously an attacking threat. And when he came on, there was a nice little bit of link up between the front three, I think maybe twice, which almost resulted in something. Um, but then Bobby went on to maybe not be um, his usual self. James Milner had a highly ineffective um, outing in terms of uh, attacking play. And with 10 or so minutes left, the last roll of the dice was to bring on Adam Lallana. And I think what Jürgen said gave 
added fuel to those fires of people who are saying, why are we settling for draws? Because he said something about not wanting, basically, he didn't use the word risk. Maybe he did, but he did, it, the implication was Nabi Keita wasn't really ready for this type of game, this kind of blood and thunder thing. And I think it made an awful lot of people wonder, well, when will Nabi be ready? Because he had a long period out. He was gradually reintroduced juiced in a, in a slow and painful way he seemed to have raised his game to a level where we were all excited about what this kid could offer and then he ended up out in his arse in the same way that Shakiri did um, a lot of people are asking questions about that, you know uh, is there anything you can put that down to, I mean you've been in both positions, you've been the, the top end player who that's for, for reasons that you can't understand at one point in your career finds yourself not in the team and you've also been the man who's had to make that call about players i mean what kind of things could be happening here is it as simple as not training well what, what, what do you think it is no I, I i think it's what i said before i think it's the pressure of the whole situation and 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 having to um maybe maybe take that risk i mean i spoke to i spoke to a few people uh leading up to the everton game and we always discuss what do you think what's the lineup going to be because i think that's just about the most interesting thing about club and what's he going to do and what's he's thinking and you know i was going what about Nabi Keita? and and and, and to a man that people have spoken to and now nah, he's not ready for this type of a game and and I, and I think that's in a way it's a, it's a it's a sad indictment isn't it but they're probably right uh everton away in october when it's just a derby game fair enough off you go everton in march when it's still a derby game but also almost like a cup final for uh, the Premier League, yeah, he probably isn't ready, which is, is a real shame. In terms of substitution, in terms of everything that went on on Sunday, I thought it was the right decision to stick with with uh, Divo Garigi uh, after what he'd done against Watford and, and also the fact that I probably didn't feel that Bobby was 100% right. So I thought that was right. In hindsight, we can question that, whether that was right or not. We didn't quite get into any kind of rhythm. But substitution as a manager, you make substitution for many reasons. Uh, sometimes you make it because you're not playing particularly well. Sometimes you'll make it because you spot a weakness in the opposition. You think, I've got a player on the bench who might be able to expose that. You can do it because of injury. You can do it because of, of, of tiredness or whatever. Uh, so it isn't always, it isn't always the same guy that's going on. That's what I'm trying to say. In certain situations, it might be him. In other situations, it might be him. Uh, but I have to say that we can question whether it was so important to get James Milner on uh, when he came on. But the one who surprised me was Adam Lallana. Uh, to, I mean, we've discussed this before, Trevor. I believe 18 months ago, uh, we we, we kind of went, it's it's just not happened for Adam anymore. Liverpool as a team has moved on from what he brings. Uh, and for him to come on, and what did he get? Did he get six minutes? I mean, he didn't even have time for the Cruyff turn, did he? Uh, so... I did feel a little bit for him, uh, but I do believe that if anyone is going to question Jurgen Klopp over that substitution, I think that's fair enough. And I think Klopp will probably sit at home now and think, if only I'd done something uh, different. But as a manager, you know, you have to stick your neck out, you have to make a decision. But let's not kid ourselves that substitutions you make for many of various reasons. And it's not always as straightforward as people think. And it's all very good sitting in the stands screaming, why aren't you, why aren't you? Uh, but I am with the people with the alarm on. That made no sense whatsoever to me. And you know it is interesting because he he seemed to be suggesting an idea of uh, a safe pair of hands, and obviously Jordan Shakiri isn't that for him yet either. Um, but what is worth bearing in mind, maybe in, in Jurgen's defence, is that both games could have been lost late-ish 
both games could have seen the opposition mug us. When I say both games, I mean uh, both United and Everton. I mean, United could have scored in the last minute uh, at Old Trafford. Everton could have mugged us quite easily there um, uh, on a couple of occasions. And, you know, all of a sudden then the no points and uh, the, the, the howling headlines is a whole different thing. Now, I'm not suggesting that I'd be in the play it safe Brigade, and I honestly, like you, feel that uh, poor Alan Milano's time is done at the club. It's not about anything else other than that. I just don't see how he fits. Jurgen doesn't agree with us on that, Jan. He sees something there. So I suppose what really sets the alarm bells going, doesn't it, is that we've got these nine games left. While we find ourselves in a similar position now against Burnley, against Fulham, and we have 10, 15 minutes left. And we're looking at a bench where we see Naby Keita and Jordan Jakiri. And we need a bit of in- inventiveness. And all of a sudden, Adam Alana starts warming up. You know, this is the type of thing that's going to, like you say, maybe, hopefully, maybe Jurgen's had a little bit of reflection. But I don't think that's the case. I think in his head, uh, there's a player there that most of us don't see. So, look, that's, that is the prerogative of a manager, though, isn't it, Jan? You know yeah, I mean? no, absolutely. And, and I still trust our manager. But I think he sees something in training that we're not privy to. I think he sees Adam Alana in training. And I've, I've played with that type of player and I've managed that type of player that in training every day, every, every time he goes to training pits, he's at the forefront of your mind. You go, bloody hell, he did well again today in training. But they become training players. You know, we, we had a player, which you were just about to be able to remember, Yes Bolson, who played for Manchester United. Oh, yeah. Every time we... Every time we met up with Denmark on a Sunday to play a game on a Wednesday, there was no way Yes Bolson was going to be in the starting eleven. And every time we got to Tuesday, to a man, whether it was the coach or the players, we all went, he's got to play Yesper. He's got to play Yesper. He's been on fire for three sessions, two on a Monday and one on a Tuesday. And I think maybe Adam Lallan has become a training player. You know, in training, you go, I, I took a Danish player on loan at Kidderminster, and we only trained twice a week, Monday and Thursdays. And he was absolutely useless in the game. But every Monday and every Thursday, we had about 20 fans who used to come and watch us train. And he used to say the same, unbelievable. So every Saturday, I put him in the team. Until in the end, I got so frustrated. I went, get him away from me. Get him out on loan. So we loaned him back to the club in Denmark to take the temptation away from me. Because every Monday and Thursday, he was unbelievable. <laughs> Maybe that's what... I'm not joking you either. Rennie Peterson, I'll never forget it. In January, I went, I'm really sorry, but the Danish club was out, but he hadn't. We begged any Danish club to take him. You know what I mean? It's that temptation to come away from me. Maybe the same thing has happened to club. But another thing that worries me slightly, you know, when Arsenal went the whole season without uh, losing the game, well, that became the target. Once it was pretty clear that we're going to win the, uh, the title, it then became about going the whole season without uh, losing games. And, 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 and they almost stopped winning games. I don't know whether are we are we almost falling into that category of there's a lot of kudos to be had here. We've lost one game all season. We were we will finish second with that. We will finish at least second with the highest points a team in second has ever done. Are we almost are we almost like using City as well? I don't know. Did you sense a bit of that, Trevor? I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And I would doubt it's anything other than subconscious, but I'd say it yeah, is probably, subconscious, yeah. you know, in terms of, you, that's an instinct you couldn't help but have because you said it before, these guys are ahead of the curve in terms of expectations that we could have had. Under you, uh, 
I know I know for fans who expect everything yesterday and there are a lot of those God love them um, they don't see that they can't understand the logic of that they wanted to win the Premier League title two years ago but anyone who has any sort of a, a logical view of the game can see that we, we, this this side, this manager, we are well ahead of the curve. Well, at least a season or two ahead of the curve with the way things are going now. And it is tempting to slip into that mode of imagine another addition here. Imagine Ox back there and that can start to slip into your head. And I would hope that that's not going to be the case. And I hope I, I would imagine it's only subconscious. You see, here's the thing as well, Jan. We might as well just talk about this before we talk about Burnley. There were a huge swathe of our fans who were thinking, you know what, uh, let's just roll out all the stiffs against Bayern Munich in the second leg and let's just concentrate on the league. Now, the league's no longer in our hands. Uh, so, I mean, that might take a little bit of, of the uh, the uh, smugness out of some people who think it was okay to throw that away. And listen, I understand their point of view. I genuinely do. Uh, for for some people, most people, but, the league is everything. But what, what guarantee does that give us, Trev? None, yeah, that's exactly it. None. You know, we ex- we exit against Bayern Munich and we go, do you know what, uh, here Bayern Munich, you go into the court, w- w- what guarantees do we get from that? Absolutely yeah. none. I think what we've learned in 2019 is that not playing games is not particularly doing us any favours. Ah, oh, brilliant point. That's a, you know, that's a spot on, man. And, and playing ourselves into a rhythm is how we get good. Yeah, and also, not just the players, you can just about keep the players who are playing alive. But what about the ones who don't play? You know, and 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 they they every every fourteen days they get six minutes. I mean, it's it's it's, it's murder. So if, if if anyone can guarantee me, I would take that now. Trev. We lose against Bayern Munich. We win the next nine games in Premier League. I would take that. I, I would one hundred percent take that because I think that will win us the league. But anything other, what, what what people can't guarantee me anything. So no, let's have a bit of this. And what what are we going to be doing on 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 Champions League quarterfinal nights? You know, when everybody rolls out. You know, PSG and Manchester City will go through, Spurs or through, and, and we're sitting at home uh, uh, waiting to play Huddersfield on a Friday night, being four or five points behind already. So no, 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 let's not entertain that, Trev. I understand, I understand, but as for desperate people and competitive people, Trev, on the front foot, involved in everything. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And our next opposition in that uh, are in that setup are Burnley, and Burnley are a very interesting bunch of gents and in recent weeks there's been some interesting stuff coming out let me sean dyche talking about um he's come up with some really really interesting uh (laughs) quotes lately you know uh talking about you know the speculation linking him with other jobs uh only a week or two ago and he said well i'm still here generally speaking which i thought was lovely and open-ended and uh typical you know kind of uh, come and get me if you want me to speak but talking about the the run of burnley form now they've lost their last two yeah as you know uh, and he says, yeah, you, you lose two and that makes it another story, but we've not been beaten in eight. And he means the eight before that, right? So if you put two in 10, absolutely terrific. The points return in those games is 18 points, nearly two a game in the Premier League is really good. So apart from some dodgy mats and completely ignoring the fact that his run uh, has been completely and utterly ended by two defeats in a row, uh, I do kind of get the point that he's making. Overall, this lot are no mugs. There are quite a few teams in that category. Watford are in that category. Everton are in that category. Teams who can and have pulled off results against some of the big sides. I mean, looking at their most recent uh, results, there is that uh, 3-1 loss 
where they were uh, playing at home to Crystal Palace in their last outing. They lost away 2-0 to Newcastle. But after that, uh, it's not quite so negative. They beat Tottenham 2-1, which is a fine result. They beat Brighton away at Brighton 3-1. And they had a one-all with Southampton at their place. um, And they had a two-all at Old Trafford. Um, And before that was the 5-0 reversal in the FA Cup to City. I mean, they are a team who can pull out a result, Shannon, a team to be, a bunch of lads to be wary of. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're they're a very honest team. I think if this game would have been a a turf more, uh, where they've been able to push us back and and get balls into the box, I would be more worried. But the fact that it's at Anfield and the two strikers they have are very similar. Barnes and Wood have been the two uh, who's done particularly well for them in 2019. But I just have a feeling that they're going to be doing their work an awful long way away from our goal. When we play at home, we defend high, we keep the opposition away from our goal. So I think it's going to be difficult for them to, to exert any kind of pressure. But what they have done, Burnley, they've rediscovered Burnley from last year. They defend well. The two centre-halves, me and Tarkovsky, have woken up again. Uh, they start to defend probably. Tom Eaton returning a goal is a, is a, is a massive bonus. But I think if we can... See, I know it sounds so easy to enjoy, if we can, but if, if we can get some energy and, and pace into our game, then I think they're going to be found wanting almost all over the pitch. That's the one thing they struggle with. They get themselves in position very quick, well organized, and they're ready. But any kind of movement, any kind of pace kills them. So, 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 so that's the key. It'll be difficult. It'll be edgy. It'll be nervy. And I'll tell you why it'll be nervy because every time they have a set piece, they're dangerous. You know, we, we mentioned the, the, the front lads, but also Tarkovsky is, is, is a handful. So they're difficult to deal with at, at, at set pieces. So it will always be nervy. In terms of open play, if we're anywhere near the way we think it's Bournemouth, anywhere near the way we think it's Watford, uh, it's another bank of three points. And let's not forget, I'm not sure what the stat is, but our form at Anfield is absolutely sensational. So I think we'll be okay. Yeah, and, and our form at Anfield uh, has... Uh, been it's outstanding and it has also uh resulted in um Jurgen going with the more what what seems to be deemed adventurous midfield uh, on a couple of occasions that we all really really crave to see um Fabinho who had one of his less outstanding uh, outings against uh, Everton did several things very well but a little bit skittish with some of his passing um pretty much is a nailed on start Ginny Wijnaldum who had been so great, um, had a, has had a couple of, of those disappearing performances of late. And he, again, was a an absolute nailed-on starter. And Nabi Keita, and that is the midfield that I think an awful lot of people would like to see. Whether they will or not is another thing, Jan, because that's the one area of the pitch, you're dead right, that back five is a solid unit um, with Bardsley and Taylor in the full-back positions. You mentioned the two centre-halves, Tarkovsky, I think, linked with us at one stage, and Heaton coming in for Joe Hart has made all the difference to them, and the the, the two lads up front are, 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 are game and physical and... Uh, have a finish in them but it's that midfield area isn't it Jan where we need to really assert ourselves in a way that we haven't in recent games um, they, we went back to front really quickly against Everton um, Virgil uh, bypassing 
the the midfield with long balls um, whenever the occasion presented itself. Joel Matip charging past them if the occasion presented itself. So when you look at their midfield, Jeff Hendrick, my countryman there, uh, uh, Westwood and Cork and McNeil, that's the midfield they've had for the last two outings, I think. Maybe Goodmanson comes in occasionally as well. Um it is one. It is an area of the field where we can be dominant. Do you think Jurgen will go with that more uh, get ball playing midfield trio? Yeah, I think I think he has to. Uh, sometimes you, you will feel the need to go toe to toe with the way that they play, but I don't think at Anfield we need to worry about the way they play. The problem you've got with with that midfield you just mentioned, unless we're at our energetic best and, and playing really fast football, then they're good enough to get around the pits and close things down. Uh, and here I'm, I'm mainly talking about the, 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 the two in the middle, uh, Cork and Westwood. They'll get around and they'll close things down unless you're at your best. So I think if we went, should we go with Fabinho, Henderson, Milner? I think we'll be playing into the way that they would want us to play. I think we need to give him something to worry about. You know, something. If, if they played against Milner, Henderson and Fabinho, whatever, a lot of stuff they'd have to deal with would be in front of them. But you have to worry about things on your shoulder. And I know that Naby Keita hasn't been sensational, but he still offers that threat. And even Shaqiri offers that threat. Although, I don't know what's happened to Shaqiri. I mean, we need a search party to, to, to find the poor kid again. You know what I mean? In games where you think, come on, or give us something or start a game, we're seeing less and less of him. So uh, it is bizarre. But no, I think it'll be adventurous. The interesting bit, of course, again, is, is, is the front three. I mean, Origi didn't play particularly when against Everton, but he wasn't on his own. You know, and maybe, I don't know how Jürgen views that. Does he go, well, he's not, he's not good enough, or does Jürgen think, well, he didn't play any worse than anyone else? So the interesting bit is, what do we do? Or do we, are we tempted to go with a, with a, with a mobile front two, with, with, with somebody in behind in a diamond? I don't know. We've got enough options, although we do know in an ideal world how Jürgen would like to play, but maybe Jürgen feels that the time has come to maybe try and surprise, well, surprise Burnley, really. Yeah, well, it, it it would be a surprise to to both um, uh, Sean Dyche and ourselves if he was to do something like that for sure. And uh, you know, I, I'd welcome it to be honest, Jan. I'd welcome I it. I do. I do. That's why I'm just thinking. I'm thinking. How do I want us to play? Yeah, I, I might want us to do something different. Stick it. Stick an eleven out there in a slightly different formation. But the eleven can also slip back into a preferred formation should things not work out. Exactly that, and the element of surprise, a lot to be said for it, and like you say, when we've got a squad that is at last as deep as ours, um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully hopefully it's used in, in, a, in a way, and in a successful way, that everybody can be happy afterwards, and just to, 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 to play up a little bit the, the sort of niggle aspect, I mean, before the, the Turf Moor game, uh, Kloppo was all praise for Burnley, who were going through a rough patch at the time, but he was saying, look, they've got uh, Europa League, and that's a testament to how good they are, and that, that competition's a killer, and these don't don't you worry, these are a good team. Um, but as the game was going on, you could see Jurgen was highly pissed off um, with I, what he perceived as the over-physicality of some of their players. And, of course, there was a key clash that day that's had a profound impact on our on our season um where uh Joe Gomez gets injured uh and let's not underestimate how massive that has been as a knock on in terms of everything that's happened since yeah we're we're, we're good enough that um and uh, we can adapt but that was looking so good uh it was such a positive part 
of the story, um, then it's understandable that, that you could look back at this as, as a kind of a key moment. And Jurgen was talking about basically uh, the, the, a sliding tackle that came in from six or seven yards. And he says, look, I know everybody likes that. Um, um, but he said, look, I said to the ref, it's no foul, but please tell him you cannot do that, right? I, I, I guess what Jurgen's saying, look, that's dangerous. Playing this day and age, it's not acceptable, right? But of course, Daichi being Daichi says like, oh, I don't really understand what he's talking about. It was a really good tackle, and Ben Mee's tackle um, on on um, on Gomez was a fantastic tackle, and Gomez knew that. So you can see the point from both, can't you? I mean, you're you're a man who who, who played uh, when tackles were tackles, um, and it's one of the saddest parts of the game is to see a lot of that physicality disappear. A slight tackle, Jan. Was there anything better? Obviously, scoring a screamer was great. P- playing a beautiful pass is great. But some of the happiest moments I've had in football fields is tracking someone down and executing a perfect slide tackle. I mean, that's glorious. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I came to England, I was introduced into what we call that British tackle, which is where you make sure you get the ball and then you get the man. Uh, and that was a British tackle. I'd never, ever come across that before in my life. Uh, but come over here and all of a sudden you go, wow, what kind of a challenge is that? Uh, there was no need, but he's letting them know. And how often have we had Ronnie Moran? Uh, standing on a touchline, you know, when things weren't quite going and there was no sort of energy in the game, he would just stand on the touchline and, and look at the likes of Steve McMahon and Rodney Whelan and whatever and go, come on, let's get this going. And within a minute, somebody would fire in a tackle that in those days you would view as 100% fair. But today, it's a bit like the North London derby last week when we get the, the Arsenal ball to sent off. And I'm kind of old school and I'm thinking, you know, he slides in, he gets the ball, and then his momentum carries him through. But then, of course, the, the sort of people who are defending the laws of the game are saying, but his body's out of control. And it is the player's responsibility to make sure that your body's not out of control. So I understand all of that. Uh, and it's a similar thing with the Ben Mee thing, isn't it? Ben Mee was never going to miss the ball, but he was always going to get as much of Gomez as he possibly could. So, whereas it's not a big story in any given day, but of course, because we're playing Burnley now, it will have an effect and Ben Mee I think will know that the Liverpool fans haven't forgotten so it's an extra little spice to begin It sure is and um, Joe's around in the background there not back at the pace that everyone had hoped he would be but there is a little good good news story in that uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain looks set to play with the um, 23s I think on Friday of this week so he may make a couple of substitute appearances before the end of the season I think anyone hoping for much more than that is probably uh, on a bit of a loser that, in terms of disappointing themselves um, but they are sort of good news stories floating around in the background and there is just one more aspect to it it's a bloody 12 o'clock game on a Sunday Jan. Yeah. Uh, well, why uh, is that? It's it's TV scheduled because they want to fit three games in on the day. They they're doing a, a triple header on Sky, and I'm pretty sure that's why it is. Uh, okay, but it's it's well we don't get it very often, do we? And I thought Europe, but it's got nothing to do with Europe because not none of us playing on a Thursday night. So I do find it bizarre. And twelve o'clock is too early, twelve, isn't it? It's, it, it, it's, it's, I, I that, first pint of, that first pint of Guinness doesn't go well at half eleven, so that does it. There you, you know? go. There you go. I mean, and, and like uh, as as a lad who played a lot of Sunday morning football when I got a bit older, you know, we we you'd have eleven o'clock kickoffs. But most of the fellas are still, uh, you know, still half asleep, and I I don't care who you are. You're not fully adjusted into into the rhythm of the day. It is it is definitely a disadvantage. The atmosphere you can hear it in the ground because 
half of the crowd are still half asleep or hungover or uh, fretful or tired or whatever yeah it definitely has an impact and then we've got this quick turnaround and we might as well talk about it because i don't know if we're going to get a chance to talk about uh the byron game before before uh, it happens so just in a nutshell then i mean do you you, you see i think you do i think you see jürgen going going big for both of these games and going strong for both of these games and going for wins and hopefully getting them in both of these games yeah, I, I would be disappointed if he doesn't. And I don't think it has, it has anything to do with Jurgen Klopp uh, and the fact that he's German and I don't know what he has any beef with, with Bayern Munich. So I don't think it has anything to do with that. I was in Dortmund on Tuesday night when Dortmund played uh, uh, Tottenham and talked to a lot of German journalists and whatever. And, you know, what, what do you think Bayern Munich against Liverpool? And they say, there's a lot of respect for Bayern Munich in, in, in Germany. And they all went, oh, Bayern Munich is a lucky club. And, you know, they, this is the big moments they always arrive. So the Germans have now completely changed uh, their uh, their opinions that before the game, the first game, they thought Liverpool would have been comfortable. And now they're thinking the fact that we've got to go to the Allianz Arena. And also, I don't know whether the news yesterday with, with the three German uh, players at Bayern Munich being bombed from the national team, whether that kind of gives them a, uh, an incentive uh, to play, although Thomas Muller, he's still, he's still, he's probably still suspended, so he'd probably be the two cents a house. But yeah, it was a bizarre story. Uh, I, I've come to the thinking now that one goal, just like in 1981, one goal in Deutschland, they will not score twice against us, even though they got, they got all the tools, but they will not score twice. So one goal for me should be enough for us to be in the quarterfinals of uh, the, the Champions League. Happy days. Happy days. And, and hopefully, Jan, if, uh, if, if Manchester United manage to, to regress a little bit further, um, they'll be able to uh, benefit from what we heard during the week is the introduction of an atmosphere section. Oh, yeah. They found 1,200 of them we want to sing. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And an atmosphere section. And I, 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 it sticks my craw to say it, but they don't really need that. The, the atmosphere in Old Trafford's usually good. I know Roy Keane had a go about prawn sandwich brigade many years ago, but it's, it, it can be very lively there. So this, this idea, I think it's a bit cringy as a story, but, uh, it's not going to stop me having a sneer at them, Jan, as well, you know. I, I, I think they did it themselves, didn't they? I think a lot of United fans had a little sneer themselves when, what the fuck's this? You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. And fair enough too. Uh, yeah. Look uh, on that night of, of uh, on that note of a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a look down our, our, our noses at uh, Adam Manx. Let's wrap up this particular Malby on the spot. Um, I, I say it every week, but every game now is massive. All these pressure games, nine games in the Premier League. Hopefully, many games left in the Champions League. And as all. Always will have Jan to guide us through it, to walk us through it, and hopefully keep you people in between the hedges in terms of your uh, fragile uh, mental states. Uh, hopefully the Reds will be doing their bit in that regard as well. Um, so on behalf of yourselves and myself for another great show, thank you, Jan. Yeah, there's, there's just no escaping it, Trev. You know, it, it is what it is. Isn't it? It's towards the end of the of the season, unscripted drama from now till 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 May or even the first of June. I, I keep saying I wish I could make people. Relax and enjoy it, but you can't. People will take the games in, in, in the fashion that they want to. Uh, but yeah, it'll be intriguing. It's, it's something to look forward to. And this, this, I, I know you get a bit nervous, Trevor, whatever it is, but this is much better than being sixth and having nothing to play for. This, this is, this is competitive sport, you know what I mean? This is what it's all about. 
this is what it's all about and you've already given me the title of the show there unscripted drama i like that i'm having that one so uh we will finish by thanking our subscribers uh who keep the wheels turning here at ai pro we very very sincerely thank you for that if you're having a little bit of a trial of this show i mean what what do you want did you did you hear that do you hear how good this is got this man talking to you every week uh get signed up um i've been trev downey until we speak to you again look out for your fellow reds and stay safe out there so there we have it, folks, an hour of audio delight from uh, Trev Downey and Jan Mulby there. I really do hope you enjoyed that. I mean, as Trev said at the end of the show there, that is the sort of thing you can expect from Jan every week. Why would you not want this to be part of your uh, your your podcast diet? Uh, absolutely brilliant stuff uh, from Jan Mulby. I'm sure you'll agree. And uh, you can listen to much more of that. You can listen to next, week, next week's show free as well. Uh, just head to anfieldindex.com forward slash join. It's uh, free for seven days to anyone if you don't like it. Just cancel it. If you want to continue, it's either £4.99 a month or £49.99 per year. So that's what you have to look forward to there. And there's so many shows. with over 30-odd shows a month on uh, on AI Pro. And uh, Jan normally sort of kicks off the week, if you like, in a strange way. It could be any day, but normally Jan will review the game that's just passed and preview a little bit as he did there uh, on the Burnley game that's just to come so uh, you get a real mixture from Jan and we have a whole selection of shows previewing the game and then reviewing the game uh, as we did last week with the post-match roar and we have shows like Tactics Weekly, Under Pressure there's preview shows, there's talking to opposition fans, there's looking at the media conference uh, that Jurgen Klopp does every Friday with uh, Guy Drinkle and uh, Gags as well so uh, there's so much content and then obviously we dig into the media as well with Nina on media matters and speaking to top journalists and things like that so there's so much to enjoy and uh there's also this week if you want to go and have a listen to old school which is dave hendrick with his uh with his usual irish charm uh trying to make gags laugh as much as possible and uh, i think i even come in for a little bit of expense there in the jokes uh, which is always good fun uh, as i wince in my seat every time i listen to it so uh that's us for this week we'll be back with more off the wall very soon and uh we do hope you enjoyed this uh this little taster of Moby on the spot Until next time, up the Reds. Podcast Network.